Hey good people, this is Sharika, EB, and Sabrina. You're listening to The Kickback. Glad you decided to pull up. What's good, Kickback family? Um, Usually when we have some of our conversations, it might be a little intense or it might be extra hype or you might even feel like we be with the foolishness a little bit. But I ain't going to dive into what we're going to talk about. Um, I just want to give you a little teaser because I would think that you would want to stay and make sure you listen to the the episode in its entirety. But if you can't hear from the sound of my voice, I am in a good mood. Things are, as some would say, swell in my neck of the woods. Um, no issues on my end. I don't. Another week again. I apologize, people. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make a promise. I promise the next time you listen to a podcast, I will have a song for y'all. But I don't got a song for y'all. I would say I am high 70s, low 80s. All is well in the beautiful sunshine state where the three of us reside. But you are listening to the kickback and you are here with three of your favorite people, myself, Sabrina and Sharika. Sabrina, Sharika, how are y'all feeling? What's the tip like? I'm feeling great. And I'm torn between my song for today because I'm like, I know what we're going to be diving into. So should I go that route? Or should I just go with what I was going to go with and how I'm feeling? So I think I'll probably have two temps today. One will be my just, you know, regular temp, which is sunny and 75 feeling great, feeling good. I'm very excited because I fly out to Jamaica tomorrow, so can't wait. And I don't know if y'all are country music fans. If you aren't, then you're missing out. Love me some country music. And my vibe is Eric Paisley's Friday Night. I want to be your Friday night sweet ride. Summer, time, sunshine, barefoot in the moonlight. I want to be your jackpot, hot spot, wide open road in a candy apple rag top. I want to set you free. I want to take you high. I want to be, want to be your Friday night. Personally, I feel like every day of vacation feels like a Friday night because Friday night is the only time really where I know I'm going to be sleeping in the next day. I don't mind going out. I don't mind being up a little extra late because, you know, you have Saturday, but you know, most of us are getting ready for church. Most of us on the pod are getting ready for church on Sunday morning. So you really don't want too crazy of a Saturday night. So I can't wait. I'm looking forward to a whole week of Friday nights. Sharika, how are you feeling? Girl, I am feeling envious of your upcoming adventures, but I'm also so happy for you. Girl, I can't, man, <laughs> who am I, I feeling like I can only imagine how wonderful that's going to be. And you're right. Friday nights be the best time because I feel like Friday nights for the time right before, like if it's your birth, like if you're looking forward to your birthday, like I feel like the day before your birthday, like when all the anticipation is right ahead of you, I feel like that's like the best time. So girl, I'm happy for you, friend. And I'm excited for you. Um, How am I feeling myself? I am feeling okay. Um, know life all the things we'll get into it but um overall I'm good my temp is 70 no I'm gonna give it an 82 and my song is a song that we sang at church on a Sunday which is called today is the day and it's my song because 
I just had a resolve on Sunday and I was like, today is the day. So if you don't know the words, I'll just share a little bit of of the words for you or some of the parts that's pertaining to like where where I'm at. And it says like, today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Of course, that sounds familiar. It's in the Bible. But then this is the part. um, Then it goes on to say, um, um, I'm trusting what you say. Today's the day. And it says, today is the day you've made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And then it says, I won't worry about tomorrow. I'm giving you my fears and sorrows. Where you lead me, I will follow. I'm trusting what you say. And that's just how I feel with the Lord right now. You know what, Lord? I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm just trying to focus on today. Enjoy the day that you have made. Rejoice and be glad in it. And leave tomorrow's worries for tomorrow, which is also in the Bible. So I've been... A lot on my mind, a lot of things going on. But you know what? Like I said, on Sunday, I had a resolve. Today is the day. And I'm just going to worry about today. So that is my temp and where I'm at. That's what's up. Seems like we're all in some good moves, um, most part. And definitely <laughs> excited for you as well, Sabrina, as you get ready for your lovely adventures. Um, I guess, I don't know. Because I know usually when people say overseas, you're thinking like over the Atlantic Ocean overseas. But like, you still over technically a sea, which is the Caribbean Sea. So I hope you have a great time overseas um, in one of the lovely, beautiful islands that is just south of us here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. I have never been to Jamaica, but and I've never been to an all-inclusive resort. I've said that, but I'm like, you know what, Sharika? Today might be the day. That Not that I go on the vacation, <laughs> but I start making plans to be on a vacation. <laughs> Because it sounds so nice. It sounds so nice. And I always think... You've been on a cruise and you like that, and it's similar somewhat. Yeah. And I think, but for me, I'm thinking, I'm always thinking of, you have to, oh, you know, at a celebration or this or that, like always putting things off until something. But you know what? There doesn't have to be a thing. It could be today's the day. And that's the thing. You know? So... I'm thinking about that. I was thinking, oh, uh, what am I going to, you know, well, my anniversary just passed. I can't do it for that. But it doesn't have to be a special occasion. I am the occasion. So, you know what? Thanks for the encouragement, friend. So, today is also the day that we're going to talk a little bit about our faith and share a little bit of our faith journey. We've talked on this podcast many times about, you know, that we're Christians and different things like that. Sabrina talks about how we mentioned about mentioning church and I just did too as well. So we talked, uh, we've, we've mentioned things here and there and we've shared a little bit of our journey to faith, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And I'm excited and I'm nervous and I'm excited. That's what I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm I'm not ner- I'm nervous because I'll be like, you know, when you ha- when you be just talking about personal things, I don't be knowing what's gonna come up. So what am I gonna say? I don't know, but uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say, your experience, and I'm also excited to hear what I'm I'm gonna say and nervous to hear what I'm gonna say because who knows? But so my first question for you guys, and I think we've shared some of this on the podcast, but we'll just reiterate it just because it's pertaining to the topic. How did you come to know the Lord or like, how did you get introduced to Christ or what your walk in faith? How did you get, how did that begin in your life? Um, I always feel a little bit 
maybe envious is too strong of the word, but I always feel like, man, I wish I could think of it like the day of the time. Like I meet some people and they're like, it was August 1st, 1981. You know, I was this place and I came to meet the Lord. I feel like I just always known the Lord. Yes, I grew up in a Christian home and then I met what's well, my home church for really up until now and third grade. And I just feel like I always was talking to the Lord, always had a relationship with the Lord. Um, my mom tells a story of my sister got hit by a car when she was younger. And she said there was a house on the side of the road and she went in and the man was like, do you want to come with me to heaven or do you want to stay with your mom? And she said, stay with your mom. And then she woke up in the hospital telling that story. So I feel kind of similar to that. Like since I was young, I just knew the Lord. Now I can think of different times in my life where I had like these mountaintop experiences. Um, but I can't think of a time when it was like, ah, now I get it. I just feel like we were a one since day one. And honestly, I mean, I sometimes when I was maybe younger and less mature in the Lord, I'd wish I had a, a more dramatic testimony, but I'm actually just thankful for God's faithfulness in my life that I have been able to walk with him for so long and know him. And yeah, so there's my answer. It's not very exciting. Can't think of a time. I just feel like I always knew I all my life. I always was like, Jesus is the way I'm going to (laughs) go. What about you, EB? Do you have like a date and time or was it like through throughout? I mean, wait, sorry, EB, I asked you that, but there's one more thing I want to share. I think maybe I have two earliest memories because I did grow up in a traditional, what we would call a black church. And my mom sang in the choir. And I remember seeing my mom and my sister get baptized by water and just being like, Ooh, that looks like a vibe. But then in third grade, I was like, let me go to the church. That's not all day and down the road from the house. And it always has snacks. So (laughs) when I went to that church, they just believe in baptism by the Holy spirit. And I wasn't baptized by water, but I remember wanting that. And just hearing the choir and the music and all that and just being like caught up in the spirit and my soul. And I remember when I went to the other church, I was at a camp one summer. It was either 1998 or 1999. And we had these bands that said frog on them. And it was fully relying on God. That was like the theme. And I remember going back to that a lot of times in elementary school, just being like, well, I'm fully relying on God. And this is why. And. Yeah. So that doesn't answer your question either, Sharika. That's more about my beginning with evangelism, maybe. <laughs> Those are like the earliest memories I have. But go ahead, Evie. No, that's good. Mine's are somewhat definitely um, similar, right? So I grew up in the church and I say grew up in the church. I grew up going to church several times a week. Uh, my family, we were going to a Haitian Baptist church. And then when we got towards, I would say, late elementary um started attending two different churches was a central Baptist, another Baptist church, which was of course, predominantly white opposite of how Haitian church was. And we enjoyed it as kids because it was kind of like you get picked up. Um, Sabrina mentioned it. One of the churches down the road had snacks. They definitely had snacks and food and then you'll just go right home. But for the Haitian church, like we had two services every Sunday. We had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays. Like we felt like we was always at church. Like I would go from our boys and girls club to church. We would go from basketball practice to church, um, flag football to church, t-ball to church. And it was just like, hey, this is time consuming. Um, like, 
it has to be something else to do in life. I couldn't play my Sega, I couldn't play my Nintendo, couldn't play the GameCube, all those video games that you would love to want to play because then by the time you got home late at night, it was go shower or eat, shower, go to bed. And it was like, this is just not fun. Um, family or household, that's what we knew. Father still, to this day, very active in a church that he helped, um, I guess you could say, one of the founding members within the church or whatnot, him and another group of people, men and women who just knew each other from Haiti and also knew each other from being here in the States. So that was always something that we had to do. As far as getting to know the Lord, um, I felt like I know him every Sunday because one of the churches, Central Baptist, every day, if you said the prayer, you know, confess your sins, accept Jesus into your heart, all that good stuff, like you got, you had the opportunity to put your hand in a grab bag and then grab whatever candy that you wanted. And most times I did it literally just for the candy. And I say most times because some of those trash candy that I pulled out like a Milky Way or Three Musketeers and I was trying to grab like the Reese's or the Snickers or, you know, or it was like gift cards, but it wasn't like necessarily gift cards, like bucks that you can go buy more candy, like you get to pick your own candy. So it was trying to grab those things and it was nothing about, at the time, my relationship with God. But a moment that really stuck for me, and it was the first time I felt like I really cried within a church service or a church setting, so to speak, even though we should be the church and the church should be here, but that's a story for another time, um, was at an event that we called, or we had FYI, which is like Florida Youth Institute, where a lot of people from within our church convened at our camp for a weekend. And during that weekend, I just felt like God was speaking to me directly. Um, and then a guy, an older gentleman by the name of Chris Flanagan, a pastor at one of our locations, he tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, I think God is telling me to come pray with you. I'm like, let's go pray. And I'm looking at him. Never knew this white dude, never seen him. And I'm just like, absolutely not. You're talking like a 14, 15 year old kid from the lovely streets of Winter Haven or Inwood, Florida, home of Grady Judd and the lovely, lovely crimes and nice stuff, I would say. Um, superstar athletes as well. But I was just like, I don't know you, so no, I'm not going to pray. And then a little persistence on his end, he goes up there to pray. Again, this person doesn't know me, and he's praying for things specific that only people who are in my family would know. Like saying in little subliminals, not subliminal, but some stuff he was saying was like, you know, you have to live up to who God is calling you to be. You don't have to be like other people. You believe. God has something special for you. You can't live on both sides of the fence. And all of those things were just specific. And then I just found myself just weeping. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Um, and of course, friends who knew me um, was just like, is everything straight? What did this white dude just say to you? Or what did this, I don't know if it was a captain or major at the time, whatever his rank was, but it was like, what did he just say to you? Like, why are you crying? Is everything good? Some of them knew some of the stuff because we came from the same town and we go to the same church as far as same location. And I just explained that to them and it was like, oh, dang, like that's crazy, bro. And so that was probably one of the first moments where I, okay, this is what I really need to be on because this, this feeling, so to speak, or this experience have never happened before. So I would say that was probably that real moment for me. Mine is similar to you guys as well. And I resonate a lot with what you were saying, Serena. Like I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't know anything but living in a Christian home um, and going to church regularly and all that stuff. So I used to be like, man, I wish I had those moments where I had a definite, like, it was this moment, it was this time too, because it's like, you hear all these beautiful testimonies of um, God radically intervening or or entering someone's life and things being like, 
drastically changed from that moment on. But I I felt like I've always just known the Lord and just walked with the Lord and grown with the Lord. So I just never really had those moments of radical change. Um, But as I grow, I learn that my experience is a blessing to not have had to know life without the Lord. And that is in in and of itself is a blessing. Um, But so, yeah, that's kind of um, how I came to know the Lord. I can't, I can't say the moment or time, but I just feel like I've always known him. So my next question, which you guys touched a little bit on it, um, but if there's anything else you want to say, but is like, what was your experience as a young believer? And I'll start because y'all shared a little bit with yours and you can think about if there's anything else you want to add. But for me, um, I just remember going to church, church being like one of my favorite places to be mainly because of friends. Um, I have friends in school. I'm a very social person and things like that. But my like and I had well I would say I had acquaintances at school I thought they were friends but when I when it really came down to it like the people that I really did my life with and like just you know had good times with and really enjoyed the company was with my friends at church we would go to church on Sundays we had you know midweek activities on Thursdays we were very active in that any you know regional or bigger like you know what we would call divisional events very very heavily involved in that we've talked about summer camps that was a huge impact and experience in my life what we've talked about I think mentioned at least something we've called youth councils which was where like a youth conference that was always a beautiful time so my connection with the Lord was, I guess, social as a young person. Um, uh, and, and and it just felt like family and friends and just like that was kind of just what I, when I thought of the Lord as a young person was how I guess um, just the felt feeling of comfort and like a feeling of inclusion. I think it, when I was like, Probably in my teen years, maybe like junior, probably like definitely senior year of high school, I think I really started to um, really grow in my faith and make it more personal. Um, I remember being in a, um, I've, I've had the privilege to be a part of some good young adult or, well, I wasn't young adult at the time, I guess, like teen groups at that time. And so my teen leaders and stuff at that time, you know, really encouraged us to pray, of course, but to like do devotions and stuff. So I remember probably junior or least senior year, definitely really starting to take devotion life serious in my walk um, with the Lord. And I remember really um, feeling like I began to experience God's presence for myself in like my later high school years. So I think that for me is when my faith started to become my own and beyond just the, oh, it's a, I go to church to have fun and meet up with my friends and have a good time. I think those years, junior and senior years, really when I felt like my faith became my own. 
So how about you guys? How um, was your experience as, as a young believer? Yeah, so for me, it was definitely somewhat um, similar. It was, you know, and I guess from also it'll be wondering, like, what would you consider a young believer? Like young believer as a new to the faith or young believer as far as age, but both of them pretty much, um, I, I guess I'll say relatively similar. As a young believer within age context, it was just always being around my friends, finding activities or functions or groups to be a part of and to have that sense of belonging or value um, at different settings, whether it was trips that we went on, whether it was stuff that we did at our local church, whether it was stuff that we did in our community, whether it was inviting friends um, to church and them getting to experience in the best way, the same fun that I was get, able to experience week um, weekend and week out. Um, new to my faith, I felt like everything, like I, I was questioning everything that I, I did or I said or I listened to um, just because you would hear, um, especially going to one of the Baptist churches, um, it was kind of like, hey, if you do this, then you're going to hell. It was no like in between type at times where it was like, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. So it was like, oh, I'm all in. Like, there's no way I don't, whatever hell is, I don't want that. Like you got all the fire and brimstone vibes from them. And I was just like, it's nothing about that that I want to enjoy. Like being a Haitian growing up in a house where you can't, you can't turn on the AC. Like that's not a thing because you don't pay the bills. So you gonna if mom and dad is okay, then it's all that matters. And in our minds, it was just like, Damn, if hell feel like this, then I did like if hell is supposed to be worse than this house, then I definitely don't want to go there because I only want to be in this house right now. So let alone being somewhere else um, as far as forever. But it was more so just being able or having the opportunity to connect with people who was on at what I thought at the time, because everybody different, but at um, somewhat on the same page, just on different parts of the journey um, as being. How about you, Sabrina? Uh, for me, it was unspeakable joy. I just loved it. And I remember when I met my husband, I was like, hey, I don't know if you want to rock with me because I'm a church girl and it's totally by choice. <laughs> like my parents didn't have to make me go to church. I enjoyed myself when I was there. It always just felt like right. And um, I forgive me, listeners, if you're not a Christian and some of this Christian jargon like throws you off your kilter because I know I'm going to use a lot of it. But I always felt like, you know, I'm not of this world. And things just when friends would make choices that, you know, were what Christians would call worldly choices. I could always like maybe I was blessed with the spirit of discernment and just wisdom from a young age, but I just didn't even have the desire to engage in the foolishness because I could always see like down the road where it would lead. So from a young age, I was kind of like mother hen and my group of friends are, I think I talked about this briefly on a former episode of how I would bring my Bible to school and I was not ashamed. Like no one can make me ashamed of the gospel. Like a lot of friends back home in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Yes, I'm black and I'm short and I have a high pitched voice and I did a lot of extracurriculars, but most of them will be like, oh, yeah, Sabrina, that Christian girl. It was just something that I wore proudly. It was who I was. And I never felt alone. I always felt like there was hope. And I was optimistic. And I guess maybe people who aren't Christians might look at like the neighborhood I grew up in or the family I grew up in and be like, oh, well, it's because, you know, she grew up in poverty or this or that. But I would like to think it wouldn't matter like my social economic status or anything. I just love the Lord. And I had a best friend and I still have like 
20 journals in my room and I go back and read them sometimes and I'll be journaling to God, like from like fifth grade. And because I, I think I was telling our mutual friend Marjorie this because from a young age, I was so locked in on the Holy Spirit. It literally felt like, okay, I can see this stone and I'm over a river and there's the next stone and he would just illuminate each step, step by step where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to, where I was supposed to go. So when people would come in my life and discourage me or even people that I love, like when I wanted to do my old career, I had leaders and people I love who were like, well, what's your backup option? And you might not be able, you don't know, you don't know. A lot of people in my life who are Christians, a lot of times spoke the opposite of what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Like, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that. And it was like, no, I, I just know. I know in my spirit when it's time to move because we've been tight from a very young age. So it was a joy. It was a pleasure. Wouldn't change it <laughs> at all. That's amazing. Um, uh, did you have a mentor in the faith or like a major influence in your faith journey? Yeah. So I, let me start off by saying I've had several because um, there was different people who helped me through different modes or moments within my life. When it came to me leading in ministry, it was certain individuals that I spoke to or I, I took advice from because I saw the way that they led and the way that they had relationships with people and the way that they discipled others. So it was something that naturally gravitate, gravitated me towards them when it's people who, um, when I got, I won't say proficient because I'm still, I still battle that within myself and I'm always trying to get better. But when I started communicating the gospel more, whether it'll be sharing from an actual pulpit or just leading in different spaces, like I taught to specific people asking them, like, how do you prepare? How do you do this? You do that. So, um, and then I would say the most important mentor for myself, and I don't know somebody's waiting for somebody to say Jesus. Um, Jesus definitely is up there, but well, Jesus is there. He's at the top. But my dad, like watching the way that my dad led our family, the way that he loved my mom, the way that he made it, he continues because he still does, but continues to make an impact on his church and within our local community, um, or at least in his local community, it was always something that I admired and I, I look up to where there's not really things that discourage or waver him or it, it wasn't things that I could see. Um, it wasn't visible to me. And now that doesn't mean that things weren't there that were bothersome to him. As I got older, starting to have certain conversations like, hey, how did you deal with the loss of your, your wife? How did you deal with the loss of your son? How did you deal with your best friend who passed away in those moments? And like not seeing that as a kid or even as a young adult, I was like, how did you get through these moments? And he would just always say it was like his circle of friends or it was God or it was this relative or that relative. So that would be another mentor that I have who I still you know talk to just about um, every day. And sometimes I'm talking to him about just as I'm going through scripture at times, like, hey, what is God saying this? Because I totally don't understand this or I'm just not grasping it. Or, hey, I'm trying to get more clarity on this situation. Um, could you just be, I guess, in this with me by praying for clarity and discernment? So there's a few people who definitely made different influences on my faith journey um, in different ways. Different times in my life, I had different ones. A consistent one for, gosh, probably the first 20 years was my older sister who ended up getting ordained. <laughs> so I was like, and in our community, we had this thing about babies who are born with a veil over their face. I don't know why. We're Christians, but we also have our little superstitions. So she was born on All Saints Day, the day after Halloween, and with a veil over her face. And we had the little story with, you know, hit by a car, evidently met Jesus, you know. So there was always this thing of like Saint Nina, 
And then she was also just like a mature Christian. Now, we did not go to the same church for a while. My mom was very much like, if you guys go to church, I don't care. You find the church that works for you. And she's just like, that's just her approach to life. She's like, children are like flowers. You don't know what's going to pop up. You just create the soil and the great environment for them to grow. So she was going to church with a friend for a very long time. And they would do like a lot of missions work and et cetera. And she was just confident in who she was in the Lord. So that was the person I would go to even more so than my mom. Um, And she's older than me. She's like five years older than me. But yeah, I would look up to her and go to her a lot. And then just different, honestly, youth leaders and music and arts leaders I had throughout my life were people that I would definitely look up to. But then there are a few pastors sprinkled throughout. And I think specifically in high school, the consistent one was Major Andrew Wiley and his wife, Haley. They are now like my second parents. They were just awesome. And it just came down to them not just being a listening ear because anybody would listen, but they cared enough to help me grow. So that meant a lot of times disagreeing with me. Of course, I was a teenager, um, but not being afraid to call me out on my stuff and celebrate me and hold me accountable and give me opportunities to boot. So that really helped me grow in my faith. And then in adulthood, I mean, there are so many. I don't even want to name any because I don't want to leave anybody out. Not that any of them listen, but just in case they do. Uh, yeah, different people for different seasons for the first half of my life consistently was my sister, even though my mom was a beautiful example of a Christian woman who definitely did went like the religious route, like she was in church on Sunday and involved in her community. But then I think about my dad, mainly went to church on holidays, if that he would always tell us I went to church enough as a kid, I'm not going to <laughs> adult but in our family we always joke that he is like the most christian of all of us like all the fruits of the spirit content in every situation so it's kind of interesting for me to have two examples of what a christian life could look like and really i respected both of them so sharika what about you is our friend I'm sorry i was on mute okay, there it is. <laughs> i was um i had several influences um Grow, you know, throughout my life, growing up, like in my teen years, like I was saying, when I really, well, you know, I think growing up, um, uh, my first one I would say was like Major Marianne. Um, she would always pick me up and spend some time with me as, as a teenager. Shout out to Kelly Pope and Anna Street. Um, they were like my teen leaders. Um, so, and then as an adult, I had a lot of mentors that helped me in ministry. Um, shout out to Miss Claire, you know, so, and, and later, you know, and also different pastors along the way. Shout out to the Hendersons, which we've had him on the podcast. So there's a lot of people that have invested in my life and just walked me through different seasons and mentored me along the way. And I'm so grateful for the impact that a lot of these people and many more, of course, have had on my life and the blessing to be in a not just a Christian home with my parents being Christian, but extended aunts, uncles on both sides. So just seeing the life of the Christian through my family 
has been a huge impact on my life as well. So I've had a lot of beautiful uh, mentors and leadership in, in my faith journey. So our next question is uh, about any struggles, anything you would like to share, like in your faith, like was there a particular struggle that you had in your faith and like, how did you get to the other side of it? Or like, is there something that you're like, you know, I haven't got to the other side, but like, this is how I walk through difficulty in your faith. It was the third of November that day. I'll always remember. Yes, I will. Cause that was the day that my daddy, and then they'll say some other stuff in that song. Um, but they said my daddy died. My daddy ain't dead. But, I was boy, just going to say, right that there. sounds like a song, EB. This is very poetic. But, and I'm like, I know you're a poet, <laughs> but I'm just like, oh my gosh. Nah. That song is Papa Was a Rolling Stone. And before I got serious um, with my now wife, um, I won't say I was a song, but I was out here. And that was something that I struggled with because some days I would look at scripture and it was being definitely, and I keep it real, um, it was me being a hypocrite and trying to justify scripture to my own likings um, at times. And it wasn't just with any and everybody. So those of you who are listening, please don't get no wrong ideas about me or get wrong ideas about me. That's between you and guys. Um, but it was definitely, I was like, well, these people had X amount of wives, or they, they did X amount of things. And then looking at history of how things used to be back then, it wasn't always like religious ceremonies for when people, I guess you could say tied the knot. It was, we kicked it with each other and we slept with each other. And now I'm yours because, you know, X, Y, Z. And you would have to go do a deep dive through just, I guess, Eastern world culture um, and get all of those. Or we just have a conversation off off the podcast. Um, so it used to be something that I used to just be like, what the heck is going on? Now, within myself, or at least the past year or so, year or two, say definitely, I've been struggling with just different denominations and different religions as a whole, trying to figure certain things out. Um, like the most recent one, just because I know who some of our listeners are, but like recently, I was just like, why am I, E.B., um, Emmanuel Buifil, in a Wesleyan Armenian? Like, why do I follow that theology? Like, why can't I just follow Jesus? What makes John Wesley or Joseph Arminicus, however you pronounce his last name, or Arminicius, what makes them credible um, by any means? Like, why am I not, um, I guess you could say a Calvinist like my dad is? You know, why don't, why don't I go to X church or that church? So that is what I've been struggling with lately. And it's just me, I won't say my faith as a whole, but it's me questioning why I believe what I believe and constantly praying for a sense of clarity and discernment. I know part of it is I grew up this way and I guess you could say I believe it because if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have been locking in. But there's other stuff that I question that people don't have the answer to. And not that I expect people to have the answer to because that's just typically or oftentimes a person's perspective. But I'm like, am I following Jesus today than I was yesterday? And I try to I guess you can say that be the focus point of how I get through those difficult moments um, when I'm just trying to figure certain things out. Um, and then you have others. And I say, I guess I'll say other situations, loving people the way that Jesus or loves me. is something that I struggle with and not saying if you know me, y'all know I ain't got no people, nobody. I, I love all people, but there are some people that if we were in a room with ourselves, it's a good chance that a person won't come out. Um, because of things that they've done to um, my family, things that they've done to people who I know, whether they be close friends, who I treat like family. Um, and I won't go down a rabbit hole of this, but like we have relatives within my family who have killed other family members and family members know about it. 
and there's nothing that has been done. And some of that stuff is about stuff that happened here in America. So in Haiti, it's like, it is, and this is stuff that is like, um, everybody know what it is and you just roll with it. Now, one or two of those instances have happened here in the States. And it's kind of like, you know, ain't nobody calling the police, ain't nobody snitching, nobody got evidence on it. You just kind of like let it ride. And it's those moments that I'm just like, I, like, how do I love that? And as God continues to just work in and through me, um, I just try to continue to just walk hand in hand with him and let him lead me um, through that. So that's, I guess you could say one or two of my struggles. Uh, I think probably the biggest, I don't want to call it a crisis of faith because I never stopped believing in Jesus, but just the way I looked at what it looks like to live out my faith in the world definitely wavered and changed within the past three years. I just got to the height of frustration when I worked in a Christian community and just saw a lot of things that weren't in line with the Bible. And a lot of the things that I felt like I was fighting against or wrestling with were things that I thought we were all supposed to be in alignment about. At the same time that that was happening, our country was dealing with this. I'm just going to go ahead and call it like the white nationalism and people putting our faith on the same pedestal as the American flag. And so there's a lot of conflict in my spirit with that because I was like, this is not um, in line with the Bible. And then just some personal family things of people that I felt like were super mature Christians. And I tried to deal with things and, you know, according to the Bible with them and it did not go according to plan. So I feel like maybe if any of these things happen individually, um, I wouldn't have gotten to where I did, but they all were happening at the same time. And so I felt like, okay, God, you know what? I'm throwing my hands up because you are God and you're going to do whatever you want to do. So while my faith in God didn't waver, my faith in the power of prayer did because I just was like, you see all that's going on. And I, I still to this day believe God is sovereign and he has the power to change, to stop, to do whatever he's going to do. And it was hard for me to kind of reconcile that with a lot of the things I saw being done that I, were, that were really hurtful and that were straight up wrong. I was like, okay, God, you can step in at any time. And sometimes he did not step in. And I was like, well, fine. If you don't want to step up, I'm not stepping up. So I'm just going to take a step back. Um, from a lot of things. But like I said, I never took a step back from my faith. And even now, I feel like I am turning into one of those people. And I used to like, I don't know why I used to hate when people said this, but I did. And I'm going to say it. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I felt like that was just people's way of being like, I don't go to church. And I was like, okay, whatever. You just don't want accountability. Um, Cause Christian community is so important. So people who used to say that, forgive me for being judgmental because I feel like that's what I'm doing. I've just been so burned by the religious community that I'm like, I don't know that I want to be that close ever again, ever again. But I always want to be close to God. Um, So I don't really know what's on the other side of this. And I know to everything, there's a time and a season. And maybe, you know, a month, a year, I'll be right back where I always was like in church all the time and blah, 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 you know, but I don't feel that way. Um, I want to live an authentic and real faith and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I want to surround myself with people who are the same with also acknowledging that people are human and I am human. <laughs> like I am not 
you know, completely holy and blameless. I wish, you know, I'm not either, but I just needed a time to not. Yeah. I don't want to be around fake Christians anymore. (laughs) And the fake Christians were literally driving me to the point where I didn't want to call myself a Christian. I was like, I need a new name. I need to be a follower of Jesus or just anything but that Christian has a, you know, a lot of negative connotations for me where I am in my season of life. Um, so it's been hard for me to go to church and hear pastors speak who also had nothing to say about the plight that black people were going through, or they had everything to say about Colin Kaepernick kneeling and nothing else. Or we'll say, if you don't vote for Trump, you're going to hell. Like I was like, I don't want to sit in situations where even 50% of the people around me believe that. So I don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to do with it, but only time will tell. And I'm totally open and open to that. But that's, this is in my adult life. How old am I? I'm 34. So probably around 32, mid 32 is when I had my first like serious crisis of faith. And the problem wasn't with God. It was with people, which you think as a mature Christian, I would have never got there because anybody who's a Christian knows what the sin issue is. (laughs) And we know people aren't perfect. Da, 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 da. And I witnessed it obviously many a times before, but I think for my, in my own fault, I put pastors on a pedestal that I should have never put them on. Um, I honestly don't think I put them that high. I thought I was looking at the basic stuff, but I guess it was too much and I didn't give them room to be human. And I was just really burnt by it. So. I feel like I said a lot without saying anything, but that's where I am. Sharika, what about you? I definitely think you said what you said made made sense. For me, I think um, my struggle has been a struggle. It's been a more recent struggle and it's been a, and I'm still sort of dealing with it as well. Um, but I feel like I've, my, I've had a struggle of faith sort of like in with you, Sabrina, but differently and not my faith, like my faith in like, what does it mean to have faith? That has been like my struggle for the past few years. I've like had health issues and I'm like, Lord, I want you to heal me. I want things to be better. Like I want this change in my body. And, um, and I'm like, okay, Laura, well, I pray about it. Like, I think about the different stories in the Bible, like, you know, the woman that was like persistent with the judge and, you know, wouldn't let this, let it go. And, and, and then they granted her, her desire or people like where you see like the Lord intervening and answer and coming to people's aid before they even ask. And so I'm like, well, Laura, I don't know what to do. I felt like I've tried to just leave it in your hands and let you deal with it. I felt like I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for you to make a change. And you haven't done that. Like, I don't even know, well, what does that mean? Like, what, a, what, a, like, I don't understand what does it mean to have faith? Because I'm like, I feel like I'm believing, but nothing's changing. And I was talking to my husband about it. Uh, actually not too long ago, maybe a few weeks ago. And I was just like, babe, I don't know what it means to like have faith. Like this has really been my question. Like I haven't lost my faith in the Lord, but like, what does it mean to have faith? Like, does it mean that I'm going to believe that things are going to be better and that they will be better? Or um, like, what does it mean to have faith? And like, what is, 
like because I'm I'm thinking at this time like I just have to my maybe I'm not you know where that scripture that says like if you have the faith of a mustard seed like you can you know move mountains and I'm like Lord I'm trying to believe and I'm like I believe but help my unbelief I want to be faithful in this and I want to have the faith that these things can change and so I was like saying to my husband, I was like, I don't understand what it means to have faith in this circumstance because I feel like I've been trying to be faithful and have faith, but it's not, things haven't gotten better. And he was like, well, your faith isn't in that, what, what you're wanting to be changed. Like, it's not like you can believe it enough and that, that, that's where your faith is. No, your faith is in the Lord. And regardless of if the circumstance changes or not, like your faith is, should be in Christ and who he is. And, and, and I'm like, I'm, and I, and it, like, I don't know, it just like helped. It didn't change it, but it just reminded me. It's like, I knew that, but I didn't, but it like, just, I guess sound just rang true in that moment in a way that I just needed at that time. And I just was like, you know, you know, you're right. Like it really, my faith is in God. My faith is in Christ and not in whether I believe enough that I will be healed if now my faith is in the Lord. And so, um, yeah, just so like that's something that I, I will say, I don't say I'm fully delivered or I've fully gotten past that, but it's something that I'm still walking with daily, but also feeling more on the other side of it versus the, you know, feeling disappointed and, let down in my faith I feel like you know what I need to really focus my faith in Christ and not what Christ can do for me because what he did for me already which was sacrificing his life that is the greatest thing and the only thing that I really need the other things that I want changed in my life they will be that will be a blessing or there could be a blessing in the, the fact that they aren't changed. And there could be, you know, lessons and things that I need to learn or I'm missing because I'm not focused on what I need to focus on. So for me, this that's a long way to say, you know, my, you know, in my faith, my biggest struggle has been what does it mean to have faith? And I'm like I said, I feel like I've had some clarity, but. I'm still walking through that as well, but I feel a lot better about it. If that makes any sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think it can be challenging when we know Jesus said, like, you'll do the things I did and greater. And when you're believing that and it's not happening, it can mess, up with, it can mess with your faith. I remember being at a summer camp once and the theme was like, what you talked about, like if you have faith as small as a mustard seed and just like belief. And I remember I was a cheerleader at the time back at home and my mom, that's like the only time I got new sneakers was for the cheerleading, whatever was required for that season. They were white Nikes and we had this dirty lake and no one was around. It was the 4th of July cookout weekend. And I thought I'm going to walk on water because I believe I can do it. And I'm going to wear my white new sneakers and then everyone's going to see and they're going to be like, you know, it's true. Like, all you have to do is have faith. And I'll never forget at Camp Walter Johnson putting my white shoe in that dirty lake and it just sank. And my little heart sank with it. Because I was like, what are these shenanigans? <laughs> I can't walk on water. 
they've been telling us all summer we could do all this stuff and we couldn't. So I have several little moments like that in my life where you're right, Shrika, when you've been praying so, and you hear, you know, the, the stories, um, from the Bible and the words of Jesus being like, you just have to be persistent. And it sounds good until you really do, until you mm-hmm. have a muddy shoe. Until you've been praying for 10 years for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Until you've been in a rough situation for 13 years. Then it's like, oh, so we really, you really met however long. <laughs> you just got to ride it out. And that can cause a crisis. But I think the beauty in both situations is like not giving up and continuing to have hope. Girl, you ain't never lie. And I'm just like, man, I was with you with the shoe. I'm like, girl, your faith made me strong. And then I was like, dang. But you, you're right, though. And it, it is like you you think that there should be a reason in your mind, a reasonable, a reasonable time frame of the faith, of the, you know, of the strong belief and faith and persistence and then you're like but lord it's been too long and you're like this doesn't seem reasonable to me anymore but you're right it's it really isn't on a time frame like (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's why for me i am in a place where like i'm definitely not communicating to others or to myself like i know there's a scripture that says like you know all those come together for the good of those who love god but i really think Yeah, it comes together for the good of you because it comes together for the good of God's will. And Mm. I'm at a place with being okay with what God's will is. And his will might not be my will, even if I really think it checks all the boxes, even if Mm. the discernment in me is like, this is a holy thing. This is a righteous thing. This is a thing that will further the kingdom of God. True. But if it's not God's will, you know, I'm not sure it's going to (laughs) happen. You're right. No matter how much I pray. And listeners don't listen to me because this is not in line with scripture. You know, scripture tells us like you can pray and change the will of God. And we saw it, you know, there's a story when he was like, Hey, if five people are, are good, Mm -hmm. will you still destroy it? And God did change his mind, but I'm just at a place in my current life where I'm like, I don't know that I can change your mind because I try to change your mind about certain things. And instead you changed me. Mm. So. I don't know. Maybe that's a sad place. Oh, sorry. I'm no. making this question so long. What's next? <laughs> no, no, I think this is good. <laughs> no, I think it's good because I think it's real. And I think these conversations are good to have because I feel like when you hear on a Sunday morning, like they preach an issue and then they preach a resolve, but sometimes there is no resolve on this side of heaven. Like sometimes there will be prayers that, you and I won't say they won't be unanswered, but they won't be answered in a way that you thought that they would be. And and the resolve comes, you know, on on the other like when we see the Lord face to face, like people that, you know, we know people who pray for healing and then they get healed. And then mm. there's people who pray for healing and they die and they do get healed, but it's, it wasn't on earth. They, they were healed when they were met with the Lord and they weren't with those inflictions anymore. So, you know, that that's real. And these conversations, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this is because we all struggle with our faith. And sometimes I don't feel like we always feel like there's a place to struggle out loud. We, we usually say the things that 
we've already overcome, but we don't talk about where we are now and what it looks like to be there. And it may be, like you said, a long time that we're in that place, or it could be a short time, but, you know, it's still a part of the journey and, and it's an important part. And, and it's probably the, the part that most people need to hear about. EB, have you had that moment yet in your life with your faith or so far you're not in the in the valley for extended periods of time? Uh, uh, no, definitely. So like I had talked a bit about struggles earlier, but I would say for me, I'm just like out of, I guess out of sight, out of mind with where God is or what God got going on is some, something that Sharika just alluded to, um, mainly with the sickness thing, right? So I feel like my mom, probably the most God-fearing woman um, who I before she passed, and then I would see people oh, beat cancer. And it's like, when we heard she had um, colon cancer, I was like, oh, okay. Like, people beat cancer all the time. Or I've seen people who I know and people who I love who had gone through, I guess, different cycles or bouts of it, but for years, like, you know, took five, 10, 15 plus years of dealing with the same issue or whatnot. And then for my mom, it was finding out a January of 2013 and coming to an untimely demise in June of 20, uh, June of 2013. So you're talking about like six months from start to finish mm. of knowing that she had it to the time that she passed away. And I was just like, like, where is God in this moment? Um, and that was one of the few months within my life where, um, and I'll say few, cause it's only been two, I would say real instances where I had suicidal ideation cause I've never had the mindset in my life that I would live my life without my mom being present. Now I know people say, "Oh, um, kids should bury their parents," and da 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 da. But that was never a thing in my mind. I was like, for my mom, and my dad, I would hope, and I say it at the time growing up, it was like I would hope I would go before them. And I was like, "Where is God to not answer these prayers of my mom specifically, of my dad, of um, her church friends, of her coworkers, of her kids? Like, where are we in the best way missing the mark?" Um, mm. You tell us to ax and we'll find and we'll axing and we'll seeking and we'll knocking and that didn't happen. Um, now, I totally understand that, you know, being absent from the body is to be present with God. But for me, within my flesh, I didn't care that about none of that. Mm-hmm. Like that had like it was, all that was out of the window and um, dead to the grave, um, literally and figuratively to me, because there was nothing. It was nothing in that moment. And it was a good few months to a year where just you know and I still would say I have more than grieved the last month but it was just like God you still flock for this one mm-hmm. um and it's just trying to figure that out as best as possible just dealing with I guess you could say just different difficulties because I'm not saying my brother's all wasn't that bad but when my brother passed it was just a, it was an accident but then you know four years after that for my mom in the past that that really like for me took me over the edge and I was just like what the heck is going on mm-hmm. um so yeah it's crazy because we think you know because we hear a lot of things about in church and stuff it's like pray and you know it'll be answered or you know or um you know just like all the hopeful things and those things do exist too like there are miracles and there are great things that the Lord does and and how God does step in and just really transform situations and circumstances. Like those things do happen, but there are also times that things don't turn out the way that we wanted them to turn out. And when you really are experiencing that, you're like, wait, this is like, 
I know that you said that there will be troubles, Lord, but also I didn't want these kind of troubles. I didn't sign up for for this trouble, Lord. I like I, you know, or I thought, <laughs> you he never lied. Yeah, he never lied. <laughs> it was like, wait, hold up, hold up. I thought we was gonna get, you know, I thought there was gonna be the benefit of like exemption of these kind of things, Lord, when I said I was gonna follow you. But it says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And, and the unjust. Like, I'd be like, but well, why can't just <laughs> Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, because and, then there's no grace and there's yep. no mercy and God isn't who God is. And I'm so thankful that there is grace. And um, it, and that means we had to work for it or we had we could earn it. And that's and that's how we know we can't. Yeah. Thank God we can't work for it because I feel I would be tired. Okay. And that's what, and that, yep, you're right. You're right. Thank God. So, um, I don't know if you guys felt like you answered, but the next one is, um, what does your faith walk look like now? And I'll go ahead and start because this kind of, I mean, I know I just talked, but for me, it looks like, um, the accountability and fellowship of true believers and that's kind Mm. of where where my faith walk is now like I'm and I'm not saying I'm beyond going to church and hearing preaching and pastoring no 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 I need that that's to me is a part of my faith but my where I'm at now is like I I need deeper and I need um to really live out my faith with people who are going to call me out on the things that um, I need to be called out. I'm going to need to have people in my life that are going to be drawing me closer to the Lord. And I think that that is not necessarily my mindset of what a pastor is to do. They are supposed to do that. But I, and, and I think in certain circumstances, they could be your, the person that walks intimately with you if you have that relationship. But as we know, pastors pastor a whole flock and they can't know every person individually that way. And so there's a time and a place for the preaching and teaching. And I think that's great. And I, and I, and I thoroughly seek that out and, and, and am a part of a community that does that. But my focus, I think the main things that are I'm wanting to really dive into in this stage of my faith is cultivating relationships that will really call me into the deep. Like it says deep calls to deep and I and I'm seeking those relationships and trying to cultivate those relationships who know me intimately. And I was saying um yesterday to some friends like I can't want to be I can't seek vulnerable I can't seek these deep relationships without being vulnerable and deep myself. Like I can't ex- at, want accountability and not being able to really put myself out there to be accountable. So in this stage of my faith, it's about growing really in Christ and really, and and through the accountability and, um, and support and prayer of others. And I'm not saying this to me, like I'm laying, like I'm expecting these friendships or these relationships to make me a better Christian. I am. And I'm not, I'm not putting that expectation, but I'm saying like, I'm going to be real with people in my life and be like, this is where my real struggles are. And I'm working towards that. But if you ever see me not working towards that, I'm asking you to say, Sharika, 
you you know better or here's where you need to really adjust because that is I think where I will where I will get stronger in my faith with the Lord. So I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I hope that kind of makes sense. That makes sense. I am honestly I'm healing. I feel like I went through a real, real rough patch and for me, I don't know. I know people hate when people are like, because I'm an Enneagram this, this is true about me, but I promise I'm a textbook one, <laughs> whatever that means to the listeners. And I'm an NTJ or whatever, but I retreat when I am hurt or anything that's like highly emotional. I retreat into myself and reflect, and then I can come back like out of my turtle shell, usually stronger or whatever, but. Um, I have been wounded and not even like a lot of, most of the things that I feel like were wound, like wounded me weren't direct offenses to me. Um, hurt people, I feel like in the Christian community who needed them the most. Some things were directed at me, but I have tough skin. That kind of stuff I feel like went and brought me to the place that I am. So I'm really just focusing on what my life looks like in Christ and being okay that it doesn't look like me having to be in a church every Sunday. I'm so okay with that where I am right now. Um, and I still do go to church. And when I'm not at church, I'm watching sermons on YouTube. Even if it's not on a Sunday, I watch them throughout the week. Every time I haven't been in church, so I have watched um Pastor Furtick at Elevation. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like I've seen so much of going through the motions and I was telling someone this weekend, I feel like Dorothy and Wizard of Oz when that curtain fell down. And she was like, what? There's just a man behind here. You ain't no wizard. So I felt like the curtain was ripped away. And I'm like, what? You guys don't even believe half of the stuff you say you believe. And if you're called to it, you're going to give me every excuse of why you can't do the Jesus thing. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it I don't want to see you singing your songs when I I just know too much when I know your gospel out together or not whatever the individual situations are so you know I could say that I'm anger that I'm bitter but the base of those things is hurt so I'm just really hurt by the human side of things and I'm just seeking faith with God I'm still involved in my small group which is important to me I still have close relationships with Christian brothers and sisters that I can go to and talk to. So it's not like I'm doing this alone because I'm not ignorant enough to think that the Christian walk can be done alone. I mean, even Jesus, God on earth had, you know, 12 disciples. So I get it that I don't know that organized religion is ever something I want to be locked and loaded in in the way that I was before. I don't know that that will ever be my journey again. Um, yeah, so that's where I am in the Bible still, you know, Sharika reads through the Bible every year. I've only read through the whole thing twice, but it's not like, you know, I'm just totally neglecting my pursuit to get to know Christ deeper. I feel like what I'm doing now is my way because it has been a crutch the way I was involved. And at one point I was getting paid by the church and that can create a whole nother element of (laughs) just, complexity, right? So for me, it makes sense for me to retreat from all of that 
so I can recalibrate and listen to the Holy Spirit and see what my next steps look like. And I can't listen if I'm in the midst of it all and experiencing those same frustrations. Um, but I'm very much open to what the Holy Spirit has for me. And I'm very much obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I, there have been many things in my life that I have carried through and done, not because I wanted to, but because I knew the Holy Spirit was leading me to that. So I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying and think I'm like, oh, well, I'm just in disobedience and I'm not doing this because I have an attitude. It's not that. Um, I feel like we are locked and loaded in where, where I am right now. All right, E.B., so can you share with us? Yeah, so for me, um, currently, my faith walk just, it's, I guess, it's really just who I am. Uh, it's who I try to be, at least day in and day out. And for the most part, it's, like I mentioned earlier, am I closer to Jesus or closer to God today than I was yesterday? Um, and that begins my personal relationship with him. Like, am I in some form of daily communication with him? Am I having conversations with God? Am I digging into his word? Am I trying my best to be consistent in my devotional life? It doesn't always happen. I try to make it happen. I try to, I tell people to do it every day. I tell people every single day, just about, I think I maybe missed one or two days this year, but for the most part, I'm telling everybody every day, drink your water, do your devotions. I give another tidbit, but it's a few days where I miss doing my own. But I do put it out there in the atmosphere to the people to stay as consistent as possible within their personal um, faith journey. I try to stay as consistent and love um, my wife the same way that Christ loved the church day in and day day out. And that helps me live out or walk um, from within my faith in a, I keep saying the word consistent and I don't like that, but I just try to be at it where people see him in everything that I say and do. And as with a lot of things, when you're trying to do it, repeatedly there's some ups or there's some moments where you're just like it's not working um for me specifically the thing is that i do have a close-knit group of friends who are willing to hold me accountable or willing to hold me up or willing to call me out when it's things that don't align with who christ has called me to be or who i have told them that i feel christ has called me to be because that sometimes plays a part in it. Like sometimes people see certain things in you that you might not see in yourself. And as they're trying to encourage you or steer you on that right path, like it's probably because God get, has given them that sense of clarity and discernment um, for the people around them. And then it's other people where I would tell, like I think of two of specific homeboys, but I'll just say JP and Tim, like certain, I would say dark spots of my life where I say, hey, when these moments happen or something like this were to happen, like make sure you holler at me about it. And the good thing about both of them, like they don't really hold their tongue much when it comes to, um, I would say, our brotherhood and our friendship, where they want not only themselves to continue to grow their relationship, with God, but they also want the people around them to do the same. And you see that by just the way that they live their life and the way that they just simply lead others to know him in and day out. So for me, my faith walk literally looks like loving God, loving others, loving my wife, loving my enemies, um, loving people who I just simply don't agree with in a lot. Like some of it is just moral and ethical disagreements, but it's still a, a sense of genuine love or an agape love towards those individuals. But it's also having constant conversations with God as much as possible while I'm being discipled by uh, people who love me and I'm discipling others within that process. And sometimes that process 
is messy and sometimes that process is dirty whereas people are like how many more chances do I give a person that I'm discipling or how many more conversations do I have with the same person about the same issue um, but because of just that working relationship that you might have with a specific individual or at least for me and I just I won't say the name but one specific um, young man it's like a constant like I feel like we talk like some days I feel like I talk to him more than I talk to anybody else, which is also wild. But it's like every day, it seems like something is happening and he'll give me a call. Hey, this happened. Um, what should I do? Or this is going on. How do I deal with it? And him just having that sense of trust or openness and honesty with me, heartwarming. And I try to in return do that with, you know, my my group of, I guess I'll say brothers or people who I vibe with, where it's moments that you just can't. And so you can't because you can do whatever you want. For me personally, moments that I would prefer not to share with the rest of the world. And I share that with my close-knit brothers and they walk me through those situations or they pray over those situations with me. And sometimes there are words that they provide um, for whatever reasons or another where they just sit and listen and they say, well, we'll just pray about it. Or, dang, that sucks that you're dealing with that. Or I wish I had an answer, but I don't. Um, I just talk to God about it. If we don't pray in that moment about it together. They uh, say that they're praying um, in their own time over that situation. So it's, those are some of the ways that I would say I um, try to let my walk of my relationship with God continue to grow and develop. And that's what my faith walk or my journey looks like. And within all of that, I will say also, sometimes you hear people say that like, you know, don't take advice from certain people who haven't been through a, a similar situation. And for me growing up, that was always one of the dumb things I used to remember hearing. Because I remember even as a kid, I would hear it and I was like, I don't have to go do drugs for me to listen to. Uh, and I'll say this term just because it's known to a lot of people, but a crack a peso, a junkie, him to tell me right. not to do drugs. Like, I don't <laughs> have to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> for me to be like, oh, don't take advice with like, or hey, you should go get a job. Like I have cousins in my family who would simply be like, EB, don't ever smoke weed as they're smoking weed in front of me, which was always wild to me. But I'm like, but you doing it. Or it was cousins will say, man, make sure you go to college. Like it's going to be good for you. And they've never been to college, you know, and for them, their pinnacle was, I just got to graduate high school. And that was good enough for them because they knew already. And I say they knew, they felt early on that the streets was going to be like that they were going to choose and they were going to be content with that now watching some of my older cousins um shift gears and go into vocational school become barbers become truck drivers find um get certification in the hvac have their own businesses it's been a good shift to see um but then the other part of me is like, it's like the scary thing with me just walking out my faith is watching or hearing them say i'm glad you didn't choose this path or man i look up to you and these are people most of them within my family are older than me or like you motivate me to do better by seeing what you are able to accomplish or how you grind. Or I tell my kids to look up to you. You're one of the best examples um, within our family. And I hope that those who listen or those who do listen is not simply because of educational experience, but it's more so because of um, my commitment to Christ, or at least that's what the imprint that I hope to leave um, when it's all said and done. That has been a constant relationship with God, and he has been walking me through a lot of these moments that most people don't always realize or some stuff that you just naturally keep close to the vest with people who, I guess you could say, you love or who you know, but you don't feel is everybody's business. So that's, a, I guess I'll say a glimpse of my faith walk looks like. 
So um, before we're done, my last question, which I think is if you haven't gained for our listeners, if you haven't gained anything, we're going to just say an encouragement to you guys. So do you guys have any encouragement to any of the people that may be listening um, uh, something to encourage them on their faith journey, like either something like you said, you either experience or haven't experienced or say like, hey, this is what I recommend if you're struggling or hey, so you don't struggle, do this. Do y'all have any recommendations or encouragement to those as they walk um, through their faith? Yeah, I'll go quick and pass it on to my sister, Sabrina. Um, find God. And for those of you who already know God, love God supremely, do what he tells you to do. And for some of you, especially when you're struggling, find therapy. So that would be the two, like the biggest things, like find God and find therapy. Like it's okay to talk to other people about some of the stuff that they're dealing with. Like God has placed people literally all across this world, all across this globe in sectors of our everyday life. And those people are gifted um, with knowing who Jesus is the same way that your pastor knows Jesus or the same way that your teacher or professor knows Jesus, the same way that your mom or dad, for those who believe in Jesus, like all of those people who know Jesus, like they like they don't have to be someone in the church that you only talk to. Now, if you're good and people are holding you accountable and they're discipling you and they're loving you, then that's great. But if it's something that deeply rooted and you're not figuring out what it is and you're just like, why nothing seems to be working. Um, it might, of course, be some natural hard work that needs to be done. I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. I don't know why people don't believe it, but you can look at it. It's in scripture. I don't have all the scriptures for you off the top of my head, but I can tell you and I can assure you that it's in scripture that God doesn't answer everywhere. Um, some of this, like if you're acting with false motives, he's not going to answer you, right? If you're not honoring your spouse and you do a thing and you think he's just going to bless you just for the sake, he's not going to. But there's countless throughout scriptures where God doesn't answer every prayer. But there are people who God has placed within our world to help us walk through life um, together and to grow in a closer and a deeper relationship with him. Don't do this journey alone. Um, mm-hmm. Just find God and find therapy or find a small group of friends who you can rock out with. And as long as they're discipling you and you're accountable and praying with you and loving you through some of your toughest and best moments. It doesn't always have to be mm-hmm. tough moments. Like it's some people who like God blessed a lot of people. It's some people who got a good life. Mm-hmm. Crazy traumas or tough situations or like they had silver spoon. They had a loving relationship. Like they had high fives. People took care of them. People held them accountable. People discipled them. People Everything worked well, and that's okay. Like everybody's spiritual journey is not the same, and that's not a bad thing. So just know who Jesus is and know who his people is and love them as much as you can, which is with all that you have. Sabrina? Uh, Absolutely. Don't take our word for it. When I've had these conversations with friends and people who don't know the Lord, but are clearly seeking because they're grilling me about (laughs) my relationship with the Lord. It just always ends with that me saying to them, there's nothing I can say that's really going to change your mind. You have to seek God for yourself. And I believe God's word, what tells us you'll find him Mm. constantly go back to the source. Don't let, you know, and I know this sounds weird coming from me because I talked about where I am right now, but even where I am, I'm not going to let people still from me, the truth about who God is, despite their actions or inaction. 
God is good. God is the one who will arm you with strength and make your way perfect. He is the one who will lead you to a life that's more abundant and that's just filled with joy. I, I said earlier, I can't imagine another path and I wouldn't choose it if I could. Um, so seek, seek God for yourself and you'll find him. Sharika? That's kind of like what I wanted to say is that your relationship with God should be a personal relationship with God. Um, you know, you can, your faith can't come through your parents. It can't come through your pastor. It can't come through your friends. You, it has to be a personal relationship with you and the Lord. Now those people can edify you and help you and walk through this journey. And you need those people too, but also you need to make sure that it is a personal relationship with the Lord that you are seeking him and that you're hearing from him. And I know we say hear from the Lord and it's hard because I've been in places where I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to hear, but I don't hear you saying anything. Can you speak up? I've been there too. But when you come to the Lord and just, and you just like anybody you care about. Okay. Whether if you're in a relationship with like your significant other, like those, that time of pursuit. And when you like them and you're like, do they like me back? I don't know. And you're like, you're trying to fill them out. You're trying to get to know them. You're trying to spend time with them. Like that's how it should be with your relationship with the Lord. You're trying to seek his face. You're spending time with him. You're sitting there and just, you know, but know the Lord for yourself and, and have a personal relationship with him. And then, um, once you do that, because, and I, I say that because, you know, a lot of the times that we get disappointed and dissuaded is because we are looking too much out at what others are doing or what others say, and we're not listening to what God is saying. So I, I say that, and then I say, get you a great, um, fellowship of believers to walk alongside you. And that includes, like Evie said, therapy. That includes good brothers or sisters in Christ. That just, and like Sabrina said, don't do it on your own. You, we're not meant to walk this journey alone. It's personal, but it's not solo. So those are my encouragements. And um, if you, hey, you can reach out to us on your, our socials, drop us a DM if you need someone to pray for you or you're struggling right now um, and maybe you don't feel like you have a support system, you know, drop us a DM. We will reach out to you. We'll pray for you. Uh, we know that life isn't easy and it's things are really difficult and painful and you don't have to go through it alone. And we do care about you guys. And we do love you guys. Um, and so because of the love of Christ, we extend our love to you and praying, praying that if you need someone that the Lord will provide that. Or if you don't, like I said, reach out to us in the DMs and we'll pray for you and try to connect you with somewhere local to you for some more support. Mm -hmm. And in line with our discussion today, I just want to share some lyrics from, I know we talked about mentors that we met and who walked through life with us, but some of my mentors were people I never met and they were Christian music artists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I spent so much of my 
15 years listening to and rocking out North Carolina, the Christian radio station was his radio. His radio. That was a little song that we play in between things. And it was so good. The only problematic thing, I don't, we'll talk about this another day, but most of those contemporary radio stations did not play gospel music, which was kind of wild. But anyway, I really got close to Nicole Norderman and close to the Lord through her music. And she has a song called River God, which I think is just relevant to our discussion today. So I want to share those um, some of the lyrics from the chorus as our quote for this episode. Rolling river God, little stones are smooth. Only once the water passes through. So I am a stone, rough and grainy still, trying to reconcile this river's chill. But when I close my eyes and feel you rushing by, I know that time brings change and change takes time. And when the sunset comes, my prayer would be this one, that you might pick me up and notice that I am just a little smoother in your hand. And that's my prayer for all of us. Uh, life can be like a river. You know, some parts are smooth. Some parts are crazy. Sometimes you get taken under um, by the current. But as Christians, I pray that all those situations, the mountains, the valleys, through it all, we're constantly, as Evie talked about, growing in the Lord and growing in our maturity and just a little smoother through every situation as we're being ultimately led home to Christ. EB, what are you expounding on today? So, of course, there's a lot of things that I could expound on, and I'm not going to go too far into it, mainly because I love when you guys do, um, do your Googles and do your own research. But the, the thing that just recently came up with on my timeline on Twitter and Instagram is three lovely Arkansas police officers who um, were recently suspended after video captures them basically beating the heck up out of a dude. Um, I don't think it's, there's no other way um, to put it. And from what I understand, uh, I recall because this guy was disturbing the peace or whatnot, but just the vicious and violent attack on a human being by these officers continues to be just, just devastating and disgusting. And it makes no sense to me that these things can continue to happen time and time again. And one of the other things that's frustrating about a lot of these cases is that you have law enforcement officers who have qualified immunity where nothing can really happen. Like Mike can get suspended or Mike can lose their job at one force, but then they can just go to another police station and still work, literally just go to the next town over as we've seen countless of them already have done. And those, that's those who have murdered other individuals and those who have conducted some form of police misconduct through just going against what their training is. But there is no way to have civil lawsuits against some people. There is no way for them to get banned and definitely from being a police officer. Um, and that's just, it's just wild that this still continues to happen. Um, I'll also tell you to do your Googles when it comes to, we just Google this, wrong house warrants where people have been killed similar to the Breonna Taylor situation, but been killed because the police officers, not nobody else, the police officers go into the, a house, old fire, and kill someone. And there's nothing about that. Like, I don't know in what world that that's okay. Now, can you go somewhere as an Amazon driver or as a FedEx or as a UPS driver and make a mistake? Absolutely. Maybe I was supposed to drop off the, I guess you could say the mail at 111, I actually put it at 101. 
that that can happen. That happens probably all the time. Sometimes, depending on how nice your neighbors are, you might get a knock on your door and say, hey, I think they delivered this to the wrong address, you know, or I know they delivered this to the wrong address. I know human makes mistakes. But in certain professions, police being one of them, like, there's no mistakes. And I say there's no mistakes, not saying they can't make mistakes, but stuff like this, right? Boom. And some of them, just because I was doing a little bit of reading, some of them are suspended ticket, suspended driver's license, unpaid tickets, move just frequent moving violations, stuff like that. Not like no attempted murderer or a armed robbery or something like that, that they're going into the homes of some of these people. Or it's not violent offenses like drugs, like some form of marijuana or meth or fentanyl or something like that. And I'm not saying any of those things are good, bad, or indifferent. That's between you and whatever you feel or deem necessary for your own life. Because I know some people love it and some people can't stand it and some people will never try it ever, ever in their lives. And I'm one of those people who would never try it. But I'm like, how do you go into a house, go into the house and open fire on someone and there is no sense of accountability happening? And I know part of our conversation today was just having people within your life. What does your faith journey look like? Having some people, someone to hold you accountable. And I just feel like has to be something done about this crazy world or this crazy country specifically when it comes to policing. So for those of you who are believers and those of you who are listening, I again, and I'll continue to do this, I encourage you to make sure you go vote in your local elections. Some of them are happening actually this month in August, like just your, your little early voting for those of you who want to knock it out of the way. But it's mind boggling that even in this country, we can't even have like a national registry on police misconduct. Like that's how crazy our world is. That's how crazy our country is. That's how crazy our government is, that we can't agree that people who break the law or people who violate individual civil, I guess you could say their civil rights or their just right to be a citizen or even a patron at a business or a dweller of this country, that we can't even agree to have a national registry on police misconduct. Meaning that a police, I'll just use Tampa because that's why I reside. A police in Tampa can ha- have all types of misconduct. And there's nothing that says that the next neighbor town of Clearwater needs to about it. And that is frustrating. So for those who are praying, folks, I pray that you take full advantage of praying for this raggedy behind nation, praying for this crazy behind police policing in America and this judicial system and legislative branches that keep going back and forth on some of the most dumbest things. Like we'll argue about all types of other stuff and we'll find all types of money for certain things, but the things that seems to matter the most to the citizens, we can't come to some form an agreement on. I pray that these three authors are, I, I hope that they're just not suspended with pay, that they are removed from their duties indefinitely. And I would hope, that every abiding citizen or every other police chief or sheriff in town in any other precinct or district would not hire these despicable individuals who would provide this much violence or this much disgust to just simply another human being. Now, I don't know if the human being is a criminal. I don't know if he got a crazy record, but none of that matters to me for the way that I see he was treated. You could have just cuffed them and let as we say, innocent until proven guilty, let the judicial system handle, the justice system handle it as need be. It's just one of those things that continues to frustrate me about this country. And for our church people, it's funny how we find ways to talk about everything else, but we're not consistent 
and the things that we speak about. Because I still see how some of y'all still ain't say nothing about January 6th, and that still irks me. So I guess that's something that I struggle with. You white Christian nationalists, whatever that supposed to mean, because Christian ain't even in scripture when it comes to Jesus telling me to be a Christian. He just tells me to be a follower of the way. But that's also a story for, for a different time. So I'll let y'all continue to be great. That's all I founded on today. Sharika, Sabrina, anything y'all want to close out with? Um, yeah, this is, and people see these situations and be like, how, um, how, how is there a God or how do you believe in God that allows this? And I, and I say, how do you, without God, I can withstand living in a world like this because that's the only hope that I have. So yeah, yeah, this is wild and people need, that's why people need the Lord. Um, um, my recommendation this week, it, I don't think I've done it here. And if I, I, I really don't think I have, but if I have, it's worth repeating. My recommendation is for a book series. Um, I might have actually done it, but I was thinking about it again. And it's called the Yada Yada Prayer Group. I read this book, um, a few years ago. And I'm about to pick it back up again because it was just so good. And it's about these women who met at a conference and they were putting a prayer group at a conference and they decided to continue to meet together out after the conference was over. And uh, since I recommended that, there's another series that's a spinoff from that series, if I did recommend it. It's called House of Hope. And it's about... Uh, uh, a woman who was in a shelter and the, some of the characters from this yada yada prayer group come into the shelter, how they've, in, you know, impacted her life. It's a Christian, um, book se- series by Netta, N-E-T-A Jackson or Nita Jackson, however you want to say it. But it's a really good read and it just talks about the different experiences of those walking through the journey, their journey of faith. Um, it's about women, but there's are some men characters, but it's mainly focused on the women characters, but it's a really good book series that I'm about to pick back up again because it was just good. And I like revisiting really good books. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to add that to my list, Sharika. So thank you for recommending that. Oddly enough, I'm also recommending a book today. Is it because we're around Jan? Did some of her glorious presents <laughs> just sprinkle on us and we're away from Netflix and now onto the, <laughs> onto the books? But uh, something that I feel like I will always go back to and read for the rest of my life is C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. It really is one of the most popular introductions to the Christian faith ever written in a lot of times when we're in a valley, we have so many questions. And I think a lot of those foundational questions, first of all, God welcomes our questions. And I encourage you to ask questions because it just helps you to become stronger in whatever you believe in. Um, but a lot of those things are addressed in this book. And it is um, an easy read in the sense of like, it's the vernacular is probably like ninth grade level. Forgive me if that's not true, but I'm pretty sure every time I read it, I was like just reading right through it. So Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, E.B. That's crazy because I also have a book for the people. Um, my book is about 
for those who would maybe, and I don't know, average might be the wrong word, but if you're an average Christian or you're an average believer who live here in this country and you don't even know what your own religion um, teaches or no, nor do you even care, I believe that this may be the book for you. Or you've just been just kind of like just going with the flow and you're just like, this is what I believe and this is what I always believe. But it's a book by Matt Walsh, which is called The Church of Cowards. It's a wake-up call to complacent Christians. Now, if you also know, if you've been around me, you sometimes hear me say, like, Christians that you prefer to be called or a follower of the way or a follower of Jesus. But again, that's a topic for a different time. But I just think this is the book for those who might be struggling with their faith, or you might be trying to figure out, like, where is God at in the midst of some of this stuff? Or maybe just you internally who's not all the way in with him, where you're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, and it doesn't work that way. So Matt Walsh, Matt Walsh's Walsh's book, Church of Cowards. That's what I got for you guys um, this week. Hopefully you enjoy it. And if you feel like you all in with God, maybe you bought a book for somebody that you're discipling or somebody who you think might need it. Say, hey, I was looking at this book or somebody told me about it. And I think this might be a good read for you. And as always, if life tries to knock you down, make sure take a step back and you give it up a cut. Don't get knocked out by life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> life tries to knock you down. Make sure you kick back. Until next time.